all you movie junkies and cinephiles, it's time for the SLS Cast with your hosts, Matt and Tim. And welcome, one and all, to episode 350 of the SLS Cast. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, this is the International Environmental Organization episode of the SLS Cast because it turns out that not only is it handy to have 350 parts per million of carbon dioxide to create a safe upper limit to avoid a climate tipping point, It just so happens that there's an international environmental organization aimed at getting to that specific parts per million of carbon dioxide in our atmosphere, and it is called 350.org. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, with that wonderful little bit of international environmental organization knowledge, I, of course, am Matt. And coming to us all the way from sunny California would be our resident Sony employee, Tim! Or should I say... Master Tim, because after watching Downton Abbey, you just can't help but wish you lived back in the... Well, actually, maybe not, because my luck, I'd be... You'd be you'd be downstairs folk, that's for sure. Because I'm Polish? Well, that too. Maybe a valet, at least. A valet? I was about to say, Master Tim, you would be a valet. Is it, did I get his? Did I get his voice right? Did I get, did were you I get trying to be uh, oh, what's his the name? The, the grouchy See, head butler, the the cantankerous yet heart of gold butler. Yes, yes. who is not Ugh. named Mister Bates. Mister Bates is the other guy you feel sorry for. Right, the he's the guy that just you know has the craptastical wife, and he goes to prison for. Her and well, it was nice to know that she got hers in the end. Unless, of course, she comes back as a ghost in this movie. In which case, I don't know what to do. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. But, uh, but, but Tim, Tim, you, you are skipping ahead to next week. I, I am. Other than letting us know already that you have seen the movies for, or at least one of the movies at for least episode one. 351. Yeah. For episode 351. Uh, how the hell are you? Well, if you would have asked me how well I was after seeing Rambo Last Blood, <laughs> I'm... Hey, I, hey, you we call it Home Stallone here, all right? Okay. That's if you would have asked me how I felt or how I was doing after seeing Home Stallone, like right afterwards, I, it would probably would be a very dour response. Hmm. But thankfully... You have the fallback position of your advanced screening for next week, and it's been at least a whole day, if not two, since you've had to put yourself through Rambo, Home Stallone. It's been four days. Ooh, four days even. Yeah, okay. it affected me the first two and a half. So we're lucky that Ouch. we're starting a full four days after Home Stallone. Wow. I, I imagine that we are. I you know, definitely was not a big fan of Home Stallone myself. But um I, I guess, well, I guess we could kind of do you know, a little makeshift news um before we get into the movie proper. Uh, and I know that we still have to cover 2008 Ram- 2008's Rambo as well. But I am kind of curious because... I, all the all the reviews were coming in, and they're trashing this based on the. Uh, I, I don't like to use the buzzword, but I mean they're kind of throwing it around pretty heavy-handedly, kind of the MAGA esque feel of this new movie. Did you oh, like anti-Mexican? Of, yeah, I mean, did you feel that? Did you agree with that vibe or that assessment? Um, not at all. No. Okay, see, I did not agree with that either. Now, anti-cartel, yeah. <laughs> agreed, yes, agreed. Uh, that that was kind of my thinking also. So, okay, good, okay, good. I'm, well, I'm glad that uh, well, we, I mean, we... My question for you would be, um, yeah. with Rambo 2 and Rambo 3 are vastly different, is Rambo mm-hmm. 3 anti-Russian? Italy, kind of. Oh, yeah, yeah. But First Blood Part 2... Do you feel that that film was anti-Vietnamese uh, as it took place I, in Vietnam? I do not, because I believe that, 
while they were using kind of a straw man to emphasize the, you know, the bad nature of the Vietnamese for it, the real enemy in Rambo First Blood Part 2 was the U.S. government. Because they were the ones who wouldn't help. They were the ones who never had any intention of going back. And they were the ones who were content to just kind of leave these poor POWs to languish. That was the real thing. I think, I think if you focus on it trying to be like anti-Vietnamese, you're, you're falling for the red herring. And so, um, one thing that I think is, and again, that was kind of what we praised, or at least I praised, the original movie for was how it shone a light on how we treated our Vietnam vets. And so with the shift to picking on Russia in Afghanistan, um, I think that was just ill-timed, not, but not intentionally so. Um, but it is something I think that is interesting because the Rambo three mantra seems to be find something, some kind of injustice in the world and shine a light on it. Like we're, we're kind of picking up the mantle of, okay, so the first two movies were shining a light on the injustice of what we did to our POWs and our returning vets. Then Rambo three is like, um, okay, so instead of focusing just on us, Rambo three then takes that mantra and it says, let's shine a light on things that are happening around the world. And, from there, Rambo 3, Rambo 2008, and as misguided as it was, uh, Home Stallone tries to do that as well. So they tried to do it with Afghanistan and Rambo 2003. As soon as we get into 2008, you're going to see the Myanmar thing. And then finally, um, in Home Stallone, we see it with... Um, the cartel situation and, and not even really the cartels as we think of them, like in Sicario or what have you, where it's drug running and stuff and guns. This is literally human trafficking. So, um, so I, I'm okay with the idea at least of what the misguided goal that is being done, but much like in Rambo three, um, I think, and and we'll definitely get there. Home Stallone fails on a lot of counts. <laughs> right, yeah. I personally do not think it was anti-Mexican. It's anti-cartel. We've heard stories of Tijuana. It's not the greatest and safest area. We all know this. There are places in in, in the United States, Compton... <laughs> that people right. consider not to be very safe. But we're not saying that whenever people are talking about Compton and violence in Compton, it's not hate towards the African-American population or the, the or population. Or California of, at large. Right, exactly. It's just the violence in the gangs that impose said violence in that region or area. And if anybody has any respect if there's any movie character that has respect for uh other cultures i would think it would be john rambo agreed i guess just since so so we can get all this out of the way so that we can just focus on the movie itself when we get there um for as much i hesitate to say virtue signaling but i can't really think of a better term so i apologize if i'm mislabeling it as such that we're getting from all of these reviews um, in my new life, I had someone <laughs> as a woman. <laughs> well, we, you know, I've we've we've alluded to the fact that Matt has had a shift professionally, and we're not being completely specific about it anymore. So, uh, but if in case you haven't figured it out, there is no more pizza biz for Matt. Um, and so in my new line of work i did have someone tell me and and it was it actually was kind of heartbreaking on thursday of last week i literally had someone tell me that they had a uh, close friend slash loved one who was killed in mexico just the day before oh really and so yeah wow. and then i'm reading these 
these reviews and I'm like, you know, like, guys, I, I think you're missing the point, but I will reserve judgment until I've seen the film. And then I go and I see the movie and I really like you I just and we've kind of rehashed 10 times. So I'll stop. I don't agree with the fact that it's anti-Mexican. I do believe it's anti-cartel or in this particular case, specifically anti-human trafficking. <clears throat> so, OK, well, good. So at least we kind of got the elephant in the room out of the way. So shall we shift to the movies proper, sir? You might as well. I mean, you you mentioned bringing up news. Uh, I guess this is no place to bring up the story of the lady who bit the testicles of a camel. <laughs> at a truck stop ah, bringing it back to the roots bringing the the sls cast to its roots is tim no no you you gotta you gotta go with this uh, i need i need it was too dark a moment ago let's <laughs> let's lighten it back up what do you got via cron.com the houston chronicle.com it's entitled i bit his testicles to get him off me Woman Bites Camel at Truck Stop Zoo, written by Megan Flynn. And really quick, it says this. Uh, Casper the Camel was minding his own business inside his enclosure at the Tiger Truck Stop Petting Zoo in Gross Teat. <laughs> yes, in Gross Teat, uh, Louisiana. Or maybe it's Gross Tet. I'm just going to call it Gross Teat, Louisiana. When suddenly a pair of unwanted visitors commanded his attention. Casper, the largest resident at the zoo, is accustomed to having visitors all day as truckers pull off Interstate 10 West of Baton Rouge to see the exotic creatures, a peculiar roadside attraction that has long drawn the wrath of animal rights groups. But this pair of visitors was different. On Wednesday, they broke into Casper's pen, causing the 600-pound white camel to panic and a Mad Lib-style series of unfortunate events to unfold, as authorities would later explain on Sunday. Quote, It was just crazy, end quote. Pamela Bossier, manager of the Tiger Truck Stop, told the Washington Post on Monday, quote, To the point of why would somebody do that, end quote. Bossier watched it all unfold on her security video footage. Problems arose when a man began tossing treats inside Casper's enclosure, leading his wife's dog to hop the fence to go after them. Iberville Parish Sheriff's Deputy Louise Hamilton Jr. told the advocate on Sunday that problems worsened when the deaf dog would not respond to calls to come back. So the man and his wife made a decision. They were going to crawl underneath the fence, past the sign that said, quote, no trespassing, end quote, and retrieve the dog from Casper's territory themselves. Casper was not pleased. The man started swatting at Casper, trying to push him out of the way while she bent down to pick up her pet. That's when it happened. To defend himself, the camel sat on her, authorities told the advocate. Trapped beneath the camel, the woman apparently did the only thing that made sense in the moment. Quote, I might feel kind of funny saying this on TV, end quote, Bossier told WBRZ, quote, but she actually bit him in his private area. That's about as nice as I could put it, end quote. Hamilton was blunter, quote, she said, I bit his testicles to get him off me, end quote, as he explained to the advocate. The article does go on from there. <laughs> um, again, that was via... HoustonChronicle.com, Crun.com, and the Washington Post. Quote, wow. I bit his testicles to get him off me. And quote, woman bites camel at <laughs> truck stop zoo. Uh, I'll take that's what she said for a thousand, Alex. <laughs> Unbelievable. Okay. I'm glad we were able to bring that, uh, bring us back out. Because now we get to lead in. Unless you have any other oh. <laughs> fun testicle no, biting news no no uh, no i mean i can talk about testicles all night of the animal variety <laughs> oh of the animal variety well <laughs> oh that's great well let's get to it folks it's the movie we <laughs> That's why we got the last two Rambo films for you. We've got 2008's Rambo, and then, of course, we have Rambo Last Blood, a.k.a. Home Stallone. 
Now, I guess we will go ahead and do as we always do and start in chronological order. So, here's 2008's Rambo. Is a legend of war. A soldier without a country. You know his name. And you know what he's capable of. I was told it might be possible to rent your boat. We need to get upriver. Where? Into Burma. Burma's a war zone. Up the Salween River is our best alternative. I can't help you out. Please, that will help change people's lives. Are you bringing in any weapons? Of course not. You're not changing anything. What happened? Well, no one knows. You know what you are. What you're made of. <laughs> Thousand-eight American action thriller film. This one is actually directed and co-written by Sylvester Stallone, and of course, this time John Rambo is coming out of the woodwork in Myanmar, about Burma, basically, and uh, he is hired by a group of missionaries to go from Thailand, where he works as a snake handler and ferry boatman, if you will, or boat ferryman. There we go. I don't know. Anyway. He kind of works on boats and transfers people across the river and whatnot. And so this group of missionaries decides that they want to go to Burma. He's like, you guys are stupid. They're like, don't worry, the Lord will protect us. Well, it turns out that the Lord works in mysterious ways, and mysterious ways equals John Rambo. Um, <clears throat> they're not happy with how he actually does save them. They're like, go away. Eventually, they are, because they're idiots, they're trapped, and John Rambo is reluctantly scooped up in the rescue effort, so on and so forth, shenanigans ensue, it's a Rambo movie. Um, This, for me, while it does have a 38% on Rotten Tomatoes, or 36% on Rotten Tomatoes, was very well received for its story, because at the time... Burma was a huge hot button issue. And so, and, and it really, to a large degree, still is today. There are many, many refugees who come to the U.S. and they do come from the Myanmar, aka Burma region. As a matter of fact, um, Texas is the second largest, um, receiver of refugees in the United States and they get the bulk of them from this area. So, so I think that the story was really well received, and I think that's what a lot of the critics liked, but they were really turned off by by the ultraviolets. Now, I will say, though, that this was, um, for me, I thought that it was watching the devil come to life in such a way that you couldn't ever really have done in the previous movies. Also, we've got CGI now that is really good for all the extra blood effects. And, it you know, we've, we've kind of come a little bit further in the last 11 years. But for what it was, I thought the, the CGI blood was decent. Um, I would even argue in certain areas even well done. It was violent because we're finally, I, I've kind of felt like you were really getting to see Rambo not just work through his demons, but truly exercise the demons. And so when you get to the end of this movie, even though it was ultra, ultra violent, 
Much like Bone Tomahawk, I felt that the violence was a tool. And I felt it was, I don't want to say a character trait, but the essence of the character of Rambo escaping. So that when you finally get to the end of the movie and he arrives in Arizona, you're like, oh, he can finally have a shot at peace. You've been waiting for this for 26 years at this point. Okay? Remember, the first movie came out in 1982. This is 2008. For 26 years, you have watched Rambo get screwed over and pushed around and go down this dark path and never truly be able to extract himself from the hell that he's been in. And then you finally get to put it to rest. I think it's, I thought it was a fantastic way to end the series. I truly believed this should have been the end of the series. And on its own, as a culmination, I still love it. I still would say, don't even bother, uh, and we'll get into the details of that here shortly, but I would even say, still at this point, don't even bother with Home Stallone. Just leave it with Rambo, or Rambo 4, if you want to call it that. Um, I give this one four stars. It's got some flaws, especially in the initial setup, because the plot focus for the story is this religious group. But I also think, but it is funny because these religious groups do this kind of stupid stuff all the time. So even that, even though it was kind of um, flawed, if you will, that the flaw in the plot has its own kernel of truth to it. I also thought it was great that it shined the light on Burma at the time. And I loved that it was a way to finally see Rambo come to terms, and get a chance to go home. I think it's, I think it's really good. So I still say four stars. Um, what do you got there, Tim? Question for you. Whenever I first saw this film, back when it came out, 2008-ish, I guess, mm-hmm. and I rented it, and probably the Blu-ray that I rented from Netflix was the same Blu-ray that I probably rented uh, 10 years ago. <laughs> but one takeaway I had from the film was that it was ultra-violent, but it was effective and entertaining ultra-violence. Right. Yes. Like, you th- see people exploding. You see organs going all over the place. They're visuals that you normally only see in dramatic war films. You're seeing sure. Private Ryan's, your Mel Gibson movies. Horror movies don't really ever go down uh, this path. Because you're seeing, like, civilians dying horribly. In the film, you're seeing children dying horribly. And I believe there's even a a director's cut where Stallone changed the title to John Rambo, and he added, like, ten more minutes to the film. So I'm actually very curious to, uh, to watch that version at some point. But I guess what I wanted to ask you, Matt, is it okay for ultra-violence to be entertaining? Because there has to be some good filmmaking there to make that violence, you know, effective in such a way. And obviously there's, there's difference in how entertaining violence can be, you know, like there's violence for the sake of there being violence and gore, but there is an effective way of showing all that stuff. Absolutely. And, and again, um, I would say that violence for violence's sake is usually the mark is usually the mark of a poor filmmaker. Like they're doing it just to get the rating so they can bait you into watching something. Or they're doing it because, honestly, they don't know what else to do and they're using it to just kind of amp up whatever they need to get on the screen. Violence used as a tool, again, a la Bone Tomahawk, is very, very good because the tool makes the film better. It's it's a tool that is used to increase the value of the film. And when you're doing that, the film itself becomes more entertaining. Um, you know, I, I know we, we've gone over Tarantino to death, but, and, I, and I'm pretty sure I've told this story before, so I'm sorry for repeating myself, but I think it, it is worth repeating. 
If you remember the scene in Pulp Fiction where Marvin gets shot in the back of the car, my very first time that my dad saw that, he laughed, but he, I mean, he had to catch himself because it caught him, it caught him off guard because of the delivery, because of the timing. And yet he laughed at some poor guy getting shot in the head. And it wasn't like it was just uh, alluded to. I mean, you see his head explode in the back of the car. The violence was used as a tool. It was used as a juxtaposition for the casualty of everything that was happening. And yet there was somebody who just died. And the irony that is played upon is amazing. So there and then of course you've got reservoir dogs with like the ear scene it's extremely uncomfortable and yet the film it adds to the suspense it adds to the disgust you feel towards this guy but at the same time the film becomes more entertaining and like we've talked about with bone tomahawk it, this is exactly what these people are doing is designed to truly demonstrate the horror of what is possible in this you know in these dark deep caves where these poor people get stuck i i wholeheartedly do agree with the idea that ultra violence can be entertaining i think we just have to look to see what the violence is what is how the violence is being used in in the context so I'm sorry for the diatribe. I shall stop now. No, no, it's fine. I think there's definitely a level of violence being used in Rambo 4 or John Rambo for the sake of there being violence. Because it gets a little cartoony, definitely. But there are some moments where there's just great tension and you really want Rambo to survive or you really don't want anybody to get found out, especially when they're doing that raid upon the, the military stronghold. Man, it's very neat. But then when you see like people running across a field <laughs> or running down a hill and somebody gets just blown up and just shot to pieces, it becomes a little, little excessive, very much like the end of Django Unchained, you know, when I get it. It was not necessarily a statement, but it was just supposed to be way over the top gun shootout violence where one person, a, a dead a corpse is being shot 85 times. So it's just being blown to bits. I get that in the context of Django Unchained. In Rambo, especially after the opening credits where you see the actual news footage of like real life, what is happening over there, and you see dead kids, babies, burnt to a crisp children. I mean, awful, horrific imagery that really kind of sticks with you. And then all of a sudden you go into the Rambo movie that, yeah, it takes a little while until you get into the madcap gore and crazy action. But kind of the respect towards the, for the, for the material uh, not necessarily the material, but the respect for the um, the culture that the character and the filmmaker likes to think that they're enriching the story within, um, kind of gets lost in the in the translation. It felt like so. I I felt I I have different feelings towards this movie. Looking back on when I watched it for the first time ten years ago. I would have told you that I love this movie. I remember the action. I remember the gore just being entertaining and fun and just being an entertaining movie. Watching it a second time, um, I, I I liked his character. It was still Rambo. Um, I just think with Stallone directing the movie, he really wanted to make a film with some uh, that he really wanted to make a film that exposed something and to be a little bit more political, but he also wanted it to be madcap, uh, you know, in an ultra violent action fest. It's not, it's not your machismo movie, which is how I described like Rambo three. It's not that, but there's just a, uh, but there's just an imbalance between, um, a respect or I guess a respect towards a culture, towards a political thing 
and all the ultra violence and stuff that ensues, I suppose. And that was kind of my main dig with this film. Um, every piece of dialogue that does not come out of uh, out of out of uh, out of a Bur- the Burmese mouth. Uh, I guess I should say this: any piece of dialogue that you don't have to read in subtitle form or that doesn't come out of Sylvester Stallone's mouth is ultra cheesy. Um, the girl, Julie Benz, who's the actress, she's not very, I know she's a good actress, but in this film, she's not good. The guy, everybody was, I mean, the lion, the dialogue is so, so bad. And unfortunately, that's Sylvester Stallone. Sylvester Stallone writes dialogue with him saying it in mind. That's what I kind of get out of all the movies that he writes. Because he has a way, he has a certain cadence and voice that he can pull off the worst dialogue and it sound, well, that's Sylvester Stallone for you. It works. You can buy it. But when somebody else says it, like wording things in a very specific Sly Stallone way, just does not work. Um, You mentioned briefly the visual effects. Some of the visual effects work. I think uh, the real pride and joy are the explosions uh, and all the practical effects. I mean, the sets were fantastic. And again, it's the pacing, especially uh, the action. The pacing of the action is is wonderful. I absolutely loved the raid of the uh, on under the uh, the raid of the military uh, camp or stronghold or whatever it is. But, like, with the bomb going off in the middle of the forest, the ripple effects, you know, the aftershocks just looked absolutely dated and pretty bad even for uh, 2008. But then, again, like, the blood, the blood effects, when somebody gets their jugular cut, you can see all the CGI blood just pouring out. I mean, yes, it's, it's shocking. The idea is shocking. But... You know, once you see that gloopy, blocky blood come out, it really kind of takes the effect away. So if anything, I just don't think the movie aged all too well. We've seen better violence in films uh, since then, especially when they do rely on special effects. It has come a long way, I'll just say that. Um, But I still enjoyed it. I still enjoyed it, just not as much as I enjoyed it the first time around. I give it a 3 out of 5. That leads us into... Rambo. Last Blood. I've lived in a world of death. I've watched people I've loved die. Some fast with a bullet. Some not enough left to bury. All these years I've kept my secrets. But the time has come to face my past. And if it comes looking for me, they will welcome death. I want revenge. I want them to know. Home Stallone is a 2019 American action film. It's uh, directed by Adrian Grunberg. And this is, uh, again, co-written by Sylvester Stallone. He's actually got a full story credit for this. Actually, he either shares the story credit or has the full story credit. I can't remember, uh, on this. Um, all right, ladies and gentlemen, here, here we have Stallone, uh, basically his great grandniece i guess is what you would call it um it it seems if i had to guess it's his sister-in-law's granddaughter um gets into trouble in mexico and he's got to go take care of it all right um shenanigans ensue and i guess this is supposed to be the last one uh Okay, there there are, believe it or not, there are some legitimately good things to say about this movie. 
like three. <laughs> okay. Um, number one, the action on the whole was pretty darn good. Um, I think it went off the rails and not in a good way in the last, say, four and a half minutes. Um, but, you know, for the most part, okay. I thought the score definitely did its job and not, and, and beyond just being competent, I think it actually drifted into being good. Uh, it was trying to kind of reinvigorate and, and really encapsulate the entire series that's been going on since 1982. And at the same time, still give this film its own identity. Okay. Um, for the smaller actors and actresses in the film, I thought that um, they did a very good job. I really thought that the acting on the whole was not stereotypical. Uh, I really think that even for the smaller parts, they tried to make the characters stand on their own and... To, to a large degree, I believe that that worked. Okay. Um, beyond that, the story is fucking stupid. I know we're trying to calm down on the language nowadays, but I'm, I, ladies and gentlemen, this is the stupidest freaking story you could have ever come up with. And I don't know what the hell Stallone was thinking with this. Because of the way they ended 2008's Rambo, as I said before, you get this, you get this sense of Rambo is finally done. He's going home. He's just kind of riding off into the proverbial sunset. So for this film, they literally have to invent everything. They had to invent this random sister-in-law. They had to invent this random granddaughter of said sister-in-law and then create a scenario in which her deadbeat dad, um, who, you know, I've seen how black a heart can get, is in Mexico with some other girl who's an old friend of hers that's also a piece of shit. So she goes down there, and then she gets into trouble. And that's how he gets in there. And again, it's human trafficking in Mexico, which really happens. I know we don't like to talk about those things because it's uncomfortable and it can send the wrong message. But again... Reality is what it is. So Rambo goes down there. Shit goes sideways on him. Um, Paz Vega. I was like, man, I know that woman. And yes, Paz Vega plays a, a, a journalist who also lost a loved one to this um, human trafficking cadre, if you will. And... She helps get Rambo on his feet and, you know, he gets home and then he's able to go and, you know, or get his girl. It just, yeah, like I said, shenanigans ensue, yada, 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 a bunch of just stupid stuff. Rambo makes a whole bunch of homemade traps at his ranch and the cartel comes and, of course, it's Rambo. This, it's just stupid. And... Like I said, you know, I, I appreciate violence as a tool. So even though it was over the top and at the end of Rambo, there's the disemboweling scene and everything at the end of Rambo 2008. All right. Over the top. But I, again, for me, it was literally watching Rambo exercise the demons, get everything out, whatever. Fine. I'm good with it. Here, they take it to such a fucking extreme. It turns it into the stupidest hokiest thing i'm sorry i'm spoiling this crap he he fucking indiana jones and the temples of dooms this guy i mean the heart he Kali cuts this Mafi. dude's heart Kali yes he, he cuts the stupid guy's heart out and the heart beats and and there's a stupid heartbeat sound as he's doing the whole thing 
I'm just, come on. Come on. I I was literally laughing. I mean, I feel bad for the people in the theater because I did get at least one person kind of stared at me. <laughs> I mean, I didn't like I didn't like lose my shit or anything, but I really did legitimately laugh. I mean, did you hear anybody it's... clap? I had a, I nope. had a lot of clappers. Nope, nothing. Um, and my theater had like six empty seats, so I mean, it was a pretty full theater. Um, it was a, it was one of the smaller theaters, but even still, I mean, there was hardly any empty seats in there. Wow. Um. Uh, it just, it was, it's stupid. And then it's called Last Blood. He's pretty clearly beat up and shot to hell. And then he gives this stupid monologue about how he's going to, you know, keep his loved ones alive or whatever. Dude, you're supposed to be dead. Like, you're not, I mean, you're not supposed to make it. I... Well, you didn't hear, didn't you, that if this one does well... He will make another one. Oh, God. Well, I don't think we have to worry about this one doing well. I mean, don't you want to entertain the idea that maybe, maybe we'll get that John Rambo movie where he fights that chupacabra or beast or something? <laughs> and there's some kind of <laughs> like Tim versus novel. Bigfoot. Oh, is uh, it really? I don't know. Oh. Um, okay. Look. Like I said, I can appreciate what it was trying to do. Again, misguided as it was, shining a light on human trafficking, fine. Making it work so the story so that he could be in Arizona where he was supposed to be, okay. But, I mean, on the whole, the story is absolutely, completely terrible. And the moving writing, which is left solely to John Rambo is the worst dialogue of the whole movie. All the other people have good lines and, again, acted pretty well. Like, for example, ladies and gentlemen, for example, what would you think is supposed to happen when the uh, cartel guys go to get the upper hand? You think they're going to kill him. Well, no. One of them, it's these two brothers, and one of the brothers is like, dude, do what we do. Throw him in acid. The other brother's like, no, I want to send a message. And the guy, and, and here you are thinking, ah, ha, ha, of course, plot point. No, the other brother's like, dude, you're an idiot. Don't do that. Kill this dude. Okay. So you can see that one, that these two brothers, while they're brothers and they run the organization together, they clearly have two different management styles. Later on in the movie, when it becomes evident that Rambo's gotten a little bit of revenge. Um, the brother who was like, throw the guy in acid, kill him, goes to the other brother who was like, no, no, let him live. Just, you know, make a, make a, send a message. He's like, see, I told you so. And then the brother's like, oh, I'm going to kill him. I'm going to kill him. And the brother's like, no, no, you live with this because you're an idiot. And this is what happens when you're an idiot. So finally, 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 we have a smart bad guy. So it's again, this, this is what I'm saying. So all the good dialogue goes to everybody else in the film. Um, and, and that's why I say it's well acted. The only reason they even come to Arizona is because it wasn't good enough for Rambo. Rambo has to go back into Mexico. And then the one smart bad guy, he's the guy that Rambo chops his head off. So. I just, yeah, it's completely stupid. Look, at the end of the day, I give this one two stars. I do not like this movie. I don't think it's worth hating. I'll never watch it again, um, at least not voluntarily, or unless there's something ironic like showing it to somebody as a terrible movie. But, but it's not even that terrible to warrant it, that. And, and that's the thing. That's like, like I said, unless it's in some ironic way, I don't know that I would ever watch this movie again. <laughs> I will say though, again, you sound like a douche. <laughs> I'm sorry. Maybe in some ironic way. Oh well, no, no, waste like literally, like half. if I was showing it to someone else as a way to, I don't know, riff tracks or something. I have no idea. Maybe if they do a riff tracks, I would watch this. I see what but, you mean. Yeah, I, yeah, I just, just I can't funny. see a. Oh no, it's all right. Hey, this, this, <laughs> I appreciate I appreciate the candor, sir. <laughs> Misunderstood douchebag. That's me. Yeah. No, I didn't um, mean to call you a douche. It just, it was, I mean, I meant to. It sounds very. You just uh, meant hipster. to imply it. <laughs> Hipstery. There you go. No, but I, look, I give it a two 
because I do not like this movie, but there are legitimate things that are at least halfway decent about it. Um, so, Tim, bring us home, brother. What do you got? Well, it sounds like, Matt, you don't want to see another Rambo movie. <laughs> um, 100% correct. I do not. I definitely don't want to, but I kind of would entertain the idea of maybe, like, Rambo is dying. They're at the end. But he kind of goes off into, like, some kind of, like, spiritual realm. And that's when he has to defeat the Chupacabra or whatever the hell that comic book is about. I, I'd give that a shot. I think that might be kind of interesting. But, I mean, only because the direction that this movie kind of takes the character. This is a two-star movie for me. I really wanted to like the film, especially after seeing Logan. I wanted this movie expecting a lot. I knew it was going to be your typical revenge tale where somebody has to go behind enemy lines to find somebody to save somebody and um, things go awry and they have to go on a, you know, on a, on a slaughter spree. Actually, the story itself surprised me. I thought it was interesting that there was a reason why he had to go back. I thought it and spoiler alert, <laughs> the girl dies. I really like that because the movie needed, had to give him a reason to flip. And that right there was the switch. Like that got me excited for the last act of the film. However, there needed to be some more action there in the middle to make that final fight absolutely worth it. There's that whole thing where he goes to Mexico. He gets the shit kicked out of him. Okay. I like it. He leaves. Goes back to Mexico. Oh, wait, wait. No, no, no. He doesn't go back to Mexico yet. Oh, wait. Does he go back to Mexico? No. He no no no. See, he gets the kick. He gets the crap kicked out of him. Then Paz the woman Vegas saves character, him. Yeah, right. helps him. He then just goes back and just gets his niece. Then they leave entirely, and she dies almost as soon as they get back. So they're you know, and then he buries her. Um, the the sister in law goes off to wherever she's gonna go, and that's when he goes back to Mexico. Right. So maybe whenever he recoups, because it's like four or five days later, and during this whole time, um, his niece is basically drugged, and which kind of resembles a script <laughs> that I wrote not too long ago. But anyways, you know, she's being drugged and all this stuff, and I think that's when in his quest to find her they needed to do one of those vignettes that they have done in almost every other Rambo movie where he starts taking people down one by one. Uh, there is that short, short, short scene when he goes into that brothel and he just takes four guys out in like 20 seconds. That needed to be like a whole 10-minute deal to build suspense, to show you that Rambo, that John Rambo is still Rambo. There's something there. So, when that switch happens, <laughs> he goes completely mad dog crazy. That's what this movie was missing. Excitement, entertainment, and genuine action to make this a Rambo flick. Could the movie have all that and still have heart? Of course. On the plus side, if it had a little bit more of this action excellent suspense pace even that might have cut down on a lot of the cheesiness you know like i i get what they were trying to do for the first 30 40 minutes of the movie build up this young girl so the audience cares about her she's not the greatest actress and that just kind of takes you out of the realm of the rambo flick of a rambo flick i should say unlike where in john rambo or rambo 4 you at least had the explosions, the action, the politicalness of behind the story of the film. You had all this other stuff that you can focus on, and then by at the end of the movie, you can kind of brush aside the really bad acting or the really bad cheesy dialogue and only focus on you know the excitement. Um, and that's why I give this film a two out of five. After the movie, I wanted to give this film at least a two and a half. 
maybe even a three because I did like that final fight. But I wanted to see more because if they're willing to go that big, there needed to be some kind of a setup again midway through to show you that Rambo is still Rambo to justify that grandiosity, if that makes any sense whatsoever. Two out of five. All right. Next week's movies are going to be a catch-up of kind of what we've been missing over the last couple weeks. So we've got Downton Abbey, Ad Astra, and Judy, 2019's Judy. All right, folks. So with that, I believe we are now down to the spiel, are we not, sir? Spiel on. Oh, Stewardess, I speak jive. Oh, good. He said that he's in great pain and he wants to know if you can help him. All right, would you tell him to just relax and I'll be back as soon as I can with some medicine? Just hang loose, blood. She's gonna catch up on the rebound on the med side. What it is, big mama? My mama raised no dummies. I duck her rap. Cut me some slack, Jack. It's it's a cut cut it's a Chomp the one to help, chomp don't get the help. Say can't hang, say seven up. Jive ass dude don't got no brains in it. Well, the music you've been listening to, as always, has been brought to us by our music partners, Cries of Solace. You can check them out at ReviewerOfNation.com and Facebook.com, both slash Cries of Solace. As for us, we are, of course, the SLS guys. You can find us at SLScast.com. You can send us an email to the show at SLScast.com. You can follow us on Twitter at the SLScast. You can follow me, this is Matt, on Twitter at NetSweat12345. And, of course, comment word that information super high when tracked on Tim on Twitter, if that's your heart's desire. Don't forget, you can always subscribe to us on iTunes, favorite us on Stitcher Radio, as well as track us down in the old Spotify and other podcast directories. If you'd like to support the show, head on over to Patreon.com and check us out over there. And until next week, this is Matt saying that thanks to Paz Vega, I get to say this. America, I like the spirit because American people here believe in something. I like that spirit. Take care, cinephiles, and we'll talk at you again next week. Madam, perhaps we should be going. Oh, very well, monsieur. Thank you so much. So nice to see you. And I hope very much we will see you again very soon. Au revoir, monsieur. Thanks again for listening to the SLS Cast with your hosts, Matt and Tim. You can find us over at slscast.com. You can also follow us on Twitter at the SLS Cast. You can send us an email to the show at slscast.com. And of course, you can always subscribe to us on iTunes and or favorite us on Stitcher Radio. Thanks again for listening. <laughs>